Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is episode number 1191 with New York Times bestselling author, Lori Gottlieb. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is Lori Gottlieb. We brought her back for part two. She's a psychotherapist, podcast host, and New York Times bestselling author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, which has sold over a million copies, and it's currently being adopted as a television series for ABC. And she's got a new workbook that serves as a companion to her bestselling book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone Workbook, a toolkit for editing your story and changing your life. And the first episode was so powerful, I just couldn't stop. I wanted to keep going in the interview. So this is part two. And if you haven't checked out part one yet, make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash 1190 after this. They're both incredible episodes. In this interview, we discuss the biggest red flags to look out for in relationships. And so many people miss these specific ones we talk about here. How to improve your trust and communication with your partner why it's dangerous to rely on your partner to make you happy. And so many people do this. The key things healthy relationships have in common and so much more. And if you know anyone that is in a relationship or it's looking to get in a relationship or is struggling and wanting to improve their relationship, then send them a link to this episode right now. They will be inspired by Lori's message just text it to them, post it over on social media. Make sure to tag me and Lori as well on your social media profiles so we know who is listening and consuming this while they're listening to it. And a big shout-out to the fan of the week who is from Giovanni. And they said, hey, a new subscriber, and I've learned so much from you, Lewis, from episodes with Mel Robbins, Matthew McConaughey, and Joe Dispenza. You and your guests provide excellent value on your show to learn from and just overall value. So big thank you to Giovanni for leaving us a review. And if you guys want a chance to be shouted out on the School of Greatness podcast, then go to Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, and leave a review. Or at any time during this episode, if you're inspired and something really stands out to you, just share some feedback in the review section of the part you enjoyed the most. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Lori Gottlieb. So if, the, if you feel like you're a good team, you got uh, the, the character qualities of they show up for you, they're reliable, you feel like you can trust them, they have emotional generosity, flexibility, similar lifestyle, and the quality on a daily basis is good, then that's a pretty good match is what I'm hearing you say. Again, there's those intangible qualities, but if, right, all, of right, that, right, if right. all of that is there and that's going on, yeah. Yeah, cool. like look at the Goodwill Bank. How's the Goodwill yeah. Bank going? Yes. Um, you know, if you did the assignment that we gave this person, Elena, on our podcast, um, you know, to like really keep that log of the day-to-day, um, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to think, you know, people think when they first meet someone, they're thinking so much in the present instead of 
you know, like, they're like, yeah, well, you know, this person doesn't really call when they say they will, or yeah, this or that, but it's okay because there are all these other great things and, you know, they're like obsessed with that person. And I always say to people like, is this the marriage you want? Mm. Is this what you want 15 years from now? Is this, do you want to worry about like where, why this person isn't calling me or are they going to be there or they forgot to do this or they said they were going to pick up the toilet paper, but they didn't every time. Um, they always have an excuse. Mm. They lie about the little things. Like, you know, there are those people who are like, they won't just tell you, yeah, you know what? I forgot to do that. This is, I, I had this, they had this experience with this couple where he was always coming up with excuses because he didn't want to take responsibility for the things. And they were just little lies. And she's like, why would you lie about these tiny little things? Instead of want to be responsible. Instead of just, right. And so, and so there was this one time where he was supposed to go to the market and she was always, they had kids and she wanted him to get organic strawberries because she was worried about the pesticides and the little kids. And he bought the regular ones and, and he used to lie about it and be like, oh, they were out of organic. Mm. And this time he said, you know what? I just, it totally slipped my mind. It totally slipped my mind. I should have bought the organic ones and I didn't do it. And she started crying. She said, you told me the truth. Wow. Like all I wanted was the truth. I just wanted you to own it and acknowledge it and take responsibility. He's like, I'll go back and I'll go exchange them right now. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like you told me the truth. You forgot. Please don't wow. forget next time. He never forgot again. Wow. <laughs> but do you see how these little things in relationships can change a dynamic? Yes. In a big way. He Huge never way. forgot again, and she trusted him. Yeah. What would you say are the biggest red flags then women should look for when entering a relationship? Well, I think it's not a gendered thing. People. You know, I think, yeah. I think people, I think you, you know, you look for just how, how do I feel around this person? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I, do I feel on edge? Is there something, you know, I think even when people are ignoring the problems, there's a place of knowing that we all have inside of us that gets drowned out by all the noise out there, right? The bigger voices, like, I really want this to work out or look at, look at how great, you know, on paper this person mm. is or, or I feel really good about myself because this person's a catch, you know, mm. or whatever it is. Or I'm this age and I really feel like, yeah, you know, what happens if I don't, if I give this up, what if I don't find somebody? Those are those really loud voices. There might be this really quiet voice that says, I don't think this person is the right person for me. Or I don't really trust this person. Or this person isn't really as stable as I would like. Mm. Or this person drinks too much. Or this person doesn't really emotionally regulate. Or this person says mean things to me and I don't like that. And yeah, they were drunk, but I don't like it. Right, and be aware of that. Yes. If they continue doing this, which they probably will or may, are you okay with that? Right, well, if you talk to them about it, mm -hmm. and what does that look, again, the repair, and then do they change their behavior mm -hmm. as a result of that? Right, if they don't change the behavior, then right. you know so then you you're can staying. Make, right, yeah. you can justify it any way you want, mm -hmm. but you're not listening to that voice inside of you. So I think we all have this place of knowing it's not your friend's opinions. Like, you know, it's always like, I think your friends have all these opinions and then we try to like crowdsource. Mm. Oh, this guy's Whether amazing. We, You're so lucky to have this guy in your life. He's a catch. Like, what a great guy. You don't have to live that life. Right. And I think the same thing, by the way, going back to affairs, like people say, like, leave the guy. Like, right. he's trash. Leave him. And it's like, you don't have to live this person's life. And this person might have really good reasons why the affair didn't break their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that when, some, when someone had an affair, like, don't go telling 12 of your friends. Like right away, like you need to process this, maybe go to a therapist, process this, 
Um, but don't go telling like 12 people and don't broadcast it and don't go on social media about this because you might actually find that you love this person and want to stay with this person and that this person really is the right person for you and they will never do this again and they will not, you know, like they understand telling, what happened. But telling the world and your family and your friends, they're never going to support that person in your life right. again. It's right. Every time you go around for the next years, you're going to make it uncomfortable. Right. And that's going to be rupturing the relationship in the future. Right. And what feels really good in the moment is to blame your partner. Oh, man. Now, yes, they're responsible for having the affair, but they're not necessarily responsible for all the other factors that are going into this. Yes. Interesting. What are the, um, what are some unrealistic expectations that people should stop having? <laughs> How while, long do you have, Lewis? Well, entering a relationship, <laughs> because I feel like yeah. people, not just women on men, men or women, but people have an expectation that their partner should be kind of like everything, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. should be perfect and yeah. all these things. What, what, what are some things that they could have a standard? You know, I want my relationship to have this standard, but this expectation is unrealistic. If you ask people if they have unrealistic expectations about certain things, nobody thinks they do. Mm. So people will say, no, 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 no. I know that they don't have to be like, you know, the hottest person or the most this person or they make the most money or they're the most charming or funny or entertaining or whatever it is. I know that, but that's not what their behavior says, you'll mm. find. Um, so people with unrealistic expectations are often the people who don't realize that they have them. People who, who actually have realistic expectations sometimes think they don't have realistic expectations. It's interesting. There's That's sort funny. of a lack of self-awareness there. That's funny. Um, the, the unrealistic expectations have to do with, um, you know, maybe it's like, you know, it could be around appearance. It could be around um, what the other person is going to do for them. When somebody isn't satisfied in their own life, they somehow think it's the other person's responsibility to make them happy, uh, to, to fill the hole, to fill the gap. Um, you know, when they're having a hard time in their life, suddenly they're bored in the relationship, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I don't feel good about myself. And, oh, look, I wonder if maybe I'm with the wrong partner. Mm. I wonder if she's the problem. I wonder if he's the problem. Um, you know, I'm feeling stuck in my life. Oh, maybe I need a new relationship. As opposed to maybe there are other things that are making you feel stuck in your life. Mm -hmm. and, and this idea that I think that some of us have that we would never articulate, but that your partner is there to save you. Mm. You know, save me from my damaged childhood. Save me from the other hurts in my life. Save me from these wounds. And when there's misattunement in the relationship, and there always will be, so again, I'm very you know, suspicious of couples who say, oh no, we, we agree on everything. There will be misattunement because somebody's tired one day, somebody had a bad day, mm -hmm. or you're just different people and you see the world differently. Um, so when there's misattunement, suddenly that person becomes, oh, you don't understand me. As opposed to, wait, you didn't mm. understand that, let me explain it again. Mm. Let me help you understand me. Because you, you, you thought this, but actually what I'm trying to say is this. Right. Right? But then people don't do that. And so they think, oh, they just they just sit with it and they go, my partner never understands me. Every time I say something, my partner thinks this. But I've never tried to help them to understand me. Right. They're supposed to magically, intuitively be telepathic. <laughs> read my mind. Read my yeah, mind yeah. <laughs> and understand me in exactly the way that I need to be heard and seen and felt. Now, in therapy, we have this expression, feeling felt that that's what you want. You want to feel felt. And it's such a great feeling when it happens. But even therapists will get it wrong. You know, sometimes I will misunderstand mm -hmm. someone, but the person doesn't like yell at me about it. Or they don't think like, I need a new therapist because we'll repair it right there in the moment. 
but they don't do it with their partner. They'll go home and their partner will make the same mistake I did. And they will say, oh, I don't know if I should be with this partner. He doesn't understand me. And the partner's like bewildered. Like, I didn't even know that I didn't understand because you never told me I didn't understand. Yes. So I just assumed that I was, that I understood you. When, when do you know that your partner understands you even if they completely disagree with you? When, mm. when should someone know like, okay, they disagree with everything I just said, but I feel felt and mm -hmm. they understand me at least. Yeah, because we say that expression feeling felt because you feel it. So it's mm. not it's not up here, mm. it's in here. Gotcha. Probably just no, you're good. It's, a, it's an emotional feeling. <laughs> I feel, an, okay, my partner disagrees with everything I just said, but they understand where I could be coming from if they stepped in my shoes. I think it has to do with respect, right? You okay. feel respected in that moment. You feel like, like, and, and you feel loved and cared for. Like, you and I see this very differently, but I love you, I care for you, um, I don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. But I respect you as a, as a human. Like, I respect you as a person. Yes. Um, I'm not gonna, like, cast aspersions on your character. Right. Because of this. Right, right, right. Like, I can, I can accept and acknowledge the separateness of us as two different human beings. Mm -hmm. And when people get really enmeshed, they have a real problem with that. Like someone will say, my friend did this. Can you believe that my friend did this? And her partner will say like, well, yeah, yeah, well, but I can kind of see because you also did this. Mm. And she's like, how can you take her side? I'm not taking her side. I'm just giving you a perspective. Yeah. I see it a little bit differently. I can see why you felt the I can see why you feel hurt. I can see both and. Mm. And if you can't accept the both and about yourself and your partner, then you're gonna end up feeling very alone. So it's almost like you need to be flexible in their communication as well and, and them not siding with you on everything, but saying, okay, I understand where you come from mm -hmm. and I see this perspective, I just see it differently. Yeah. So having yeah. the flexibility to be okay with that also. Like I can hold both. Yeah. You can hold both and I can hold both and we care deeply about each other and we have each other's backs, which doesn't necessarily mean we agree, we have the same perspective on every single thing. Yeah. Um, the beginning of this year, I had um, I started seeing a therapist in a, uh, a previous relationship, and the therapist had me just working on my own healing stuff. That's like healing stuff uh, that I was going through. And she had me put a photo of myself around five or six years old on my phone, mm -hmm. so I see it. So I still have this up where I just constantly remind myself, like, you're safe, you're okay, I got your back. Mm -hmm. We're we, you know, we're healing together, things like that. It's been a beautiful journey for me to like work on inner child healing and just kind of the memories of the past. And um, I'm, I'm curious about just like the consistency of healing in a relationship. And because I heard you say that like, it's hard to fully heal alone. We almost need a mirror to be able to practice and integrate this is what I, what I think mm -hmm. I heard you say, right? Yep. It's like, you need to have someone where you can practice it coming up. If you're in a vacuum, you're not gonna be triggered, right? right? It's like, right. can you show up differently in the future and not repeat the past? What is the thing people usually need to heal? Is it something from childhood? Is it something from previous relationship? Is it their whole life? It can be anything from, you know, there, there's different, we use the word trauma a lot and people say, oh, you know, trauma is, trauma is something big, like mm -hmm. someone died in a car crash right. or you were in the war or, you know, um, systemic racism, right? All traumas that people accept as trauma. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Think about though the daily trauma. The little T's. The little, the little T's, but they're big T's because mm -hmm. the trauma might have happened to you once, like you got in this bad accident and you're traumatized by that, or you know whatever it might be. The the dailiness of a parent saying you're stupid. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with you? You're so stupid, right? We had someone on our podcast like that. Um, and, um, and he, you know, when we, we really like got him through that in that hour of, of going through a way to think about it differently. And he, he needed to understand like, this was real trauma. Right. And he knew that, right? He knew that, but he kind of felt almost like, like, nah, it's not really that Silly bad. Silly or something, yeah. Right, right, right. But you know, just like, you're worthless, you're stupid, what's wrong with you? All those things. Mm. And think about the number of times that that happened. If you add all those up, I mean, that's trauma. Um, a lot, yeah. That right? so, so when you talk about when you talk about the inner child, and I love what your therapist had you do, um, it's really important that we are able now, we weren't then able to be that adult for our inner child, right. but now we are. So don't expect your partner to be that, that you have to be that for mm -hmm. yourself. And then your partner is there because you're not in that toxic environment anymore. Right. So it makes it safe for you. It makes right. it safe for you as the adult. It makes it safe for you as the child. And at any given moment, by the way, a different age of us will be exposed. So like, you know, you go home for Thanksgiving, you're 12, um, you know, with your siblings or whatever it is, uh -huh. right? Um, you know, something happens with your partner that just feels very similar to you of, of some feeling you had when you were five. You're five. You're going to act like you're five. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are times when you act your age. So right. you don't know, like, so I always say to people, like, when couples are getting at it in couples therapy, I'm like, how old are you right now? I will say that to them. And they'll right. step back for a second and go, oh, I know exactly how old I am. I'm eight. I'm 16. Ooh. So you mean how old are you emotionally reacting? Yes, in yes, this yes. Moment? Right yes. now, not, right now. Not physically. But... Yes, that's what I meant. That, that, so they're 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 doing something. Something's happening for them, and they're not able to kind of. I can see them regressing, wow. and their partner's getting really frustrated. And you're watching this happen, and I just say to them, "How old are you right now?" And if they can just step back, and they they have so much compassion for that mm. kid that they are at eight or twelve or sixteen or whatever they are, and so does their partner. By the way, when mm. their partner says, "Oh, you look like a grown man," <laughs> right? But you're acting you like, look a like a seven-year-old. But I, but that eight-year-old, and they don't mean it in a pejorative way. They don't mm -hmm. mean it. They're not judging their partner. They become really compassionate, like, "Oh, that eight-year-old," and they move toward their partner. Like I can see that. Mm. So the partner isn't healing the eight-year-old, but the partner is is creating this environment that lets the eight-year-old do the that lets the adult do the work for the eight-year-old there. What should the adult be saying or doing for the younger version of themselves that is having an emotional human experience that is not mm -hmm. their age in this moment? Mm -hmm. What's the conversation or the? It's exactly what they wished at age eight Ooh. that that someone would have said to them, we all know what that is. We all know what we wanted to hear mm -hmm. because as a kid, you fantasize about it. You look at other people's parents and you say, oh, that interaction. You know, like you can see what it, what you would was, like it to look like. My parents were like that, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So saying that out loud internally to your 8, 12, 16-year-old self. Right, right. In and that being moment. really kind. Wow. Have you ever noticed how unkind we can be to ourselves? Uh-huh. Have you ever noticed my that? My entire childhood is pretty much unkind. Right, yeah. 
to right, myself. Yeah. Right, and and but we carry that into our adulthoods, and so um, I I had this this patient who was like so self critical, and she did not realize it. Mm. And you have to realize, and I said to her this that the person we talk to most in the course of our lives is ourselves. Yes. And what we say to ourselves isn't always kind or true or useful. I say that all the time to people. I will say that till I'm blue in the face because people don't get it until they try this exercise, which is what I had her do. I said, I want you to write down everything you say to yourself over the course of a few days. And then when you come back next week, we're going to talk about it. And so she did the assignment. She, she was very skeptical. She's like, I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not like, not that. Like every thought that comes to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. everything. Like when you hear, it's like this radio station that's playing in the background that you think you're not hearing because it's just like playing in the background. Or like a TV show that you have on in the background, right? And you're like, I'm not really paying attention to it. I'm doing other things. But no, you hear it. Mm -hmm. And so she came back and she starts to read this. And she said, I can't even read this. I am such a bully to myself. Wow. And there were little things she would do in the course of a day. Like she was typing an email and she made a typo. And, and the voice in her head said, you're so stupid. Like it was spontaneous. And she would not have paid attention to that mm. before. Like she didn't know she was saying that. Or she passed her reflection in a mirror and she said, God, you look terrible. Mm. Now, if your friend or someone you cared about made that typo or looked however she looked that day, you would not truly think that person is stupid or that they look terrible. Yeah. You'd think like, oh, you know, like they made a typo. It's like there's no emotional generosity toward oneself. Yes. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. 
too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So what should we be doing instead? And so, and so it's starting to notice, how do you talk to yourself? You know, like whose voice is that? It's not yours. We are not born with that voice. So that voice came from people who raised you. It came from the culture. It came from, um, you know, the people around you. It came from whatever we're being told. It's external is the mm. point. It's external to you. It is not of you. So we need to listen to that voice inside of us that is of us. And we will be so much kinder, not only right. to ourselves, but to other people. Because as we always know, like the biggest bullies are, are you know, twice as mean to themselves. Uh, right? Yeah. So when you think about like the environment, I talked about the biosphere before, like the, the ecosystem in your relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the ecosystem in your home. We saw during COVID, right, where everybody was like in the same contained space. And we were all worried about the contagion of the virus. And I said to people, I want you to look at the contagion of mood. Ooh. Look at the contagion of anxiety. If someone is anxious or someone's in a crabby mood or someone is being unkind, everybody's going to be crabby or anxious or, or unkind. Yes. Right? Because it's so contagious. So when a partner is coming from that space of angry, upset, or negative mood, what should be done in order to try to shift that energy without rushing them along but without allowing it to be going on for so long that it's just like sucking up all the air and, and the energy of the atmosphere what what should happen next right i mean it depends what they're going through if they're if they're going through something that's kind of like a like they're grieving something yes. or there's a loss the worst thing you can do is rush their wellness mm, we call yeah. that actually rushed wellness where you are trying to kind of oh well it's been a year shouldn't you be over this right. it's like but the person's still dead you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's like what does that even mean yeah. um, you know so so how are they grieving what does their grieving process look like what kind of support are they mm -hmm. getting are they able to talk about it do they have a therapist do they have a grief group mm -hmm. um, you know what are they doing in their lives right. to go through this process um, how can you support them in it um, so so there's that but I think if you know if people are just being crabby or they're just being unkind because they're worried about a promotion at work or, right. or um, you know someone their 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 brother said something mean to them or you know whatever happened um, and they take it out on you mm -hmm. that's when you've got to say wait a minute what's going on here right. right let's talk about what you're upset about right before it gets to that point um, you know and if someone's really anxious all the time it's like what are you doing to, let's talk about the anxiety in the household because it's really contagious. Mm -hmm. Like I can support you in certain ways, but you might need to get a different kind of support. Maybe it's medication, maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's, you know, why don't you explore some options? Sure. If someone is bringing in this contagious energy from a previous relationship, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're recalling events from the previous relationship. They're talking about the previous relationship. They're in fear from things that happened. They don't want it to reoccur in this current relationship. How important is it to let the past be in the past and not bring it up? Or how do we not ruin the current relationship mm -hmm. by talking about the past relationships? Yes. What, what is that balance? It's like, well, here's what has happened in my previous relationships, but not talking about it all the time. Right. So that's called punishing the new, <laughs> punishing your for partner the for the crimes of some for yeah. someone else's crimes yeah you don't want to punish your partner for someone else's crimes so your other partner previous partner treated you a certain way 
and then you don't trust your partner. You know, you're you're like, why are you looking through my phone? Oh, well, because in my last relationship, this happened. And so I want to make sure it's not going to happen to me again. But I didn't do that to mm-hmm. you, right? And I don't like people looking through my phone. It, there's a difference between secrecy and privacy. We all need privacy in relationships. Yes. We all need privacy. So secrecy is something like, you know, we, Carl Jung called secrets, um, uh, it was like, like emotional poison or something mm. like that. It was, you know, it's, it's, it's a poison um, when you keep secrets. That's different from privacy. Privacy is we're allowed to think things and feel things. We don't need to share every thought or feeling that comes across our frontal lobes. Right. We don't, you know, or anywhere in our brain or in our heart. We yeah. don't need to share everything, right? Yeah. So it's not like you have an x-ray of the other person. Um, so what I, in this relationship that, that I'm talking about, she was, she was like, what, but, I, but you know that I have these trust issues and he said, but if yeah, I'm not breaking your trust, but yeah. I didn't, but I'm not, I'm not doing anything to break your trust. Mm. And, you know, and, and by the way, let's redefine trust. So a really good redefinition of trust is um, that you are okay with what you don't know, mm. that you feel safe with what you don't know. Right. Then you really trust someone. If you can feel safe with what you don't know, that's trust. What she was confusing was she was saying, I will trust you if I know everything. Oh, no, wow. no, 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 no. Trust is going to be if you don't know everything and you feel safe. Yes. How does someone get to that place where they have no reason to mistrust someone? Mm-hmm. You know, they're everything they say they're doing, they're backing mm-hmm. up, you know. Maybe you checked their phone because you thought something and then you didn't see it mm-hmm. and everything was fine. Like, how do you get to a place of just accepting their word and trusting them? Right. So it's within reason. So if someone says, you know what, I have a sensitivity around if I text you and I don't hear back for, you know, five hours. um, Then I get And and I know and and you're in town and you're at work and things are normal or whatever. Right. right? And your phone is Um, near you. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you keep your phone by you all the time. That's going to make that's going to trigger me. Mm -hmm. And so then you want to make sure that you respond to the person in a timely manner. But that doesn't mean like you have 30 seconds. So it has to be reasonable, right? You have 30 seconds or else I'm going to like, you know, I'm off to the races. Um, You know, those kinds of things. What what does it mean? What is, what do you mutually agree on? Like how often do we need to be in contact? What does it mean to be in contact? Um, And and what feels good to both of us? Mm -hmm. Because it's not going to work if it doesn't feel good for both of you. Both. If it's one that feels good for one and the other person feels like, ah, I'm constantly having to do something I don't want to do. Right. That's not good. Right. And then what the person does is they become untrustworthy because they don't want to report in. And so then they start hiding things just because they weren't given enough space. Mm. It's kind of like I use this analogy with parenting, but I think it works in relationships too, which is the aquarium. So it's like you don't want to be so confined that you feel like you're in a fishbowl, but you don't want the boundaries to be so loose that you're like in the ocean. Mm -hmm. You want to be in an aquarium with your partner, which is that like we're in a safe, contained space, but we both have enough room to swim around. I've got some darkness over here. I can just chill and I can go there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm still in a bubble, but, you know, let me just be alone for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the difference between secrecy and privacy in a relationship um, what's what do we need and should everyone have access to someone's passwords and phones and at all the time or no. is that not necessary? I mean, you know, I think that people have to agree again, but I, I think this idea that, um, you know, like you can look at my phone whenever you want, 
And we'll feel to. we'll feel yeah. very intrusive. Well, but it it feels very intrusive. I don't even. I, I'm saying I don't think that that's. I don't that's think that person true. has the definition of trust that I'm talking about. Which mm. again is that I feel safe with what I don't know. Right. Um, meaning I know that you're not doing anything to betray me, so I don't need to look. Mm -hmm. um, if someone gives you reason to look, that's a completely different thing. You yeah. know, if someone's if someone gives you any kind of reason. Um, that's, that's, that's like a completely different kind of conversation that you have. Sure. But if this person has been trustworthy to your knowledge, um, you know, this idea that like we need to know everything about each other. By the way, you want to kill sex in a relationship? Know every single thing about each other. Mm -hmm. You will kill the erotic energy right. in the relationship. You need some mystery, right? You need, yeah, you need some separateness. You need some differentiation between you are you and I am I and we are different people. And if you know every single thing about that person, um, there's no gap to bridge. What, what happens with the erotic energy is like, we want to bridge this gap. We want connection, right? We've been apart. We want to connect. Mm. If you've been fused, it's kind of like, oh, wait, actually, I want space. Right. You need space. You yeah. need space, yeah. It's the mystery that brought you together in the first place that made you attracted to each other. You know, it's like if you know everything all the time, it's hard to keep that going. You need that space. How much space do you feel like you need in a relationship to make it like still feel that sexual attraction and chemistry? It's everybody's different, mm -hmm. um, you know, but I think I think you know it. I think when one person feels like, wait a minute, this feels intrusive, mm -hmm. that's their, their body is telling them something. You feel all these things in your body. So a lot of people say, how will I know? Like mm -hmm. as if it's an intellectual thing. And I always say your body will tell you. Mm -hmm. You know when you recoil from that person. You mm -hmm. know when you feel like, oh, I hear their voice and they've just walked in the door. And I'm not ready for this. You know, it's not even like like something that goes, it's like you feel it in your body. Did you just tense up? Did you feel it in your stomach? Like what just happened? Did your breathing change? Right. What should you do in that space where you're not like, I want to leave this relationship, but I just need space mm -hmm. and, and create a conversation where it's safe to say that. Mm -hmm. I think it's all about audience and presentation. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so choose your audience well. Do you have a partner who can hear what you're saying mm -hmm. and not not hear it as a rejection. Take it personally. Or, because, yeah. what, you know, a lot of what people call complaints are actually compliments. And what I mean is, and I talk about this and maybe you should talk to someone, is that when someone is complaining about something, they're basically saying, I want to get, I want to have a better relationship. They're not saying to you, I want to break up with you. They would just say, I want to break up with you. So when they're saying like, hey, I want to come to you with this, like I need more space. I'm saying that because I want to be in this relationship. Mm -hmm. I, I value this relationship. I love you. I care about you. And what's not working for me is that sometimes I need some space after work or I need some time to myself on the weekends. I don't want to do every activity together right. or I need to go out with my friends or whatever it is. And, and that's what's going to help me in this relationship mm -hmm. um, because I want to be with you. I can't, I won't be able to be with you if I don't have some kind of, if we don't work out something around the space. Right, some arrangement around this. So, yeah. so it's a compliment. It's mm. like, I love you enough. I care about this relationship enough to bring, this relationship enough to bring this up with you. If I didn't care, I wouldn't bring it up. I'd Ooh. just leave. And how toxic is it, in your opinion, to think that the partner is supposed to make you happy? Mm. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, it's, it, even if you don't call it toxic, it's just dangerous. Okay, why? Because, because they can't. They can't make you fundamentally happy. They can bring you joy. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's a great joy to be with someone that, whose company you really enjoy, of course. Um, but they can't 
heal those wounds for you. They can't take away the hurts. They can't um, repair everything that happened for you in your life. Mm. They can't do that. You're going to have to do that for yourself. Again, they can provide that sort of containing, warm, holding environment in which you feel safe enough to do that. But they can't do it for you. Right. And, and when you depend on someone else, you were talking about expectations earlier. When you depend on someone else to do that for you, they will inevitably fail because hashtag human. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Because they are human. Yeah. Um, they can't They can't do that. So don't have an expectation that you meet this guy or this girl or whatever and they're going to make me happy. No. They should be able to add to my they're gonna joy. They're going to be additive. Yes. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're, your quality of life will be greatly enhanced mm-hmm. if you have a good relationship. Right. Okay? But you got to focus on your own, your own happiness. But, but in terms of you know, those things where they're going to be misattuned to you sometimes, they're going to upset you sometimes, mm-hmm. they're going to do things that you think, how could the person I love me make that choice, <laughs> right? Um, you know, they're not going to be some like, you know, magical fairy person. Yes. And what about um, the online world? How have you seen this as a therapist, the online world uh, supported or hurt relationships? You know, is online dating mm-hmm. in it overall, have you seen it be a positive thing? And also, it's just social media mm-hmm. hurtful or helpful when in a relationship with someone. And I would say to both social media and online dating, both and. Yes. Um, I think that online dating makes it um, possible for people to meet who ordinarily would not meet. Um, but that's really all it does. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, it's like we used to meet people in a much more organic way but we don't do that anymore. So now you can meet people and it makes it a lot easier. Um, the downside of that is mm. that there's this illusion with uh, online dating and apps that you know you go out on a date. Yeah, I hear this all the time from people. They went out on a date, they had a good time, no butterflies, but it was they had a really good time. Like they, they spent three hours there. Like they, right, right, you know, right. they had a pretty good time. Um, but yeah, no, you know, I don't know. I just didn't feel like the chemistry, or I don't know, or whatever it was. And so, you know, but there's this other guy, you know, whatever. So then they like keep going through the apps, as opposed to why wouldn't you go on a second date with that person that you just had a pretty good three hours with? Like spend another two or three hours with that person. Even spend one hour and you do it, do coffee so you can get out, you know, easily if you yes. want to. Um, but you had a pretty good time. And I think people think that like it's got to all be there mm. right away. And actually they did these studies where they followed couples over 20 years, this longitudinal study. And what they did was they didn't do reporting where you look back and you say, what was your first date like? They actually did reporting at the time. So they got all of these reports, you know, they followed them every five years and they would interview them. And the people who were happy 20 years later, when they recalled their first date, they would say, oh yeah, I was so into him, I was so into her, it was amazing, right? In those reports, often they would find what they reported at the time was, really nice person. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, I had a really? good time. Like, like there wasn't like this magnetic Explosion attraction. of the butterflies. Right, and sometimes there was, but in more cases than not, there wasn't. Really? And then when you looked at people who were like divorced or really unhappy but still married, and you asked them about it, they're Chemistry like, was I, didn't, I didn't really like him that much. Oh, really? I didn't. The so th- they've revised the story. <laughs> but when you go back to what they actually said at the time, they were like, you know, lots of chemistry. Mm. So in other words, our opinions about people change the more we get to know them. And so if you go out with somebody once, twice, three times, right? And you had a pretty good time that first time, go out with them again. Like, why wouldn't you go out with them twice or three times? Mm-hmm. 
um, and see what happens. People won't do that and they keep like cycling and juggling all these different people. Like maybe the next person will be, you know, like I'll feel more attraction to, but maybe that person you don't have as much kind of emotional chemistry with. Right. Um, you know, so then that person's ruled out. Um, you know, you didn't have enough in common or whatever it is. Sure. Um, so like at what point, or it's like musical chairs, like at what point are you going to sit down? Because right. the, the chairs are going to get filled. Well, I think you hear people say, you know, don't settle. But it's like, right. how do you know when you've not settled? Right. And you found a great match, but it's... Well, so, yeah. so the thing is, I, you, do, you never want to feel like you're with a person where you settled, and you don't want to feel settled for. Mm -hmm. But I think, again, going back to defining things, what does settling mean? So, so there, was this, there was this study that was in one of my earlier books where men and women were asked, you know, what would it, what would it take to get a second date? Like, what, what qualities would a person need to have? So men named three things that a person would have to have for them to want to go on a second date with that person. And they said she has to be attractive enough, and they did not mean like she has to look like a supermodel. They right. meant like, I think she's cute. That's yeah. all. I think she's cute. Like they know, you know, they know that they're not like yeah. a supermodel um, themselves. Um, she has to be easy to talk to, and she has to be kind. Like she can't be like, oh, you know, mean to the waiter, or mm -hmm. you know, like kind of entitled or whatever. You know, just like she has yes. to like seem like a really nice person. Sure. Okay. That person gets a second date. Women named 100 things, so from three to 100, 100 things that would not get a guy a second date. Wow. And they were, you know, these like really, really picky things. He was now, shorter I'm not than saying me if he was this, he was that. He was, was this or that or the other thing. Like, you know, oh, he wore khakis and, oh and the, you know, like just really ridiculous. Or he didn't like, like, you know, or, or his he hairstyle. Made, or his whatever. hairstyle, or he did this like really like. You know, by the way, people are nervous on first dates. They do. Yeah, they're sweaty. Like, people they're People can get nervous. They might be like maybe they were a little bit overly animated because they were trying to impress you. Maybe they, mm -hmm. you know, they were just like trying to entertain you, and it was a little too much. But like overall, you had a good time, and overall, you there were these there was enough there that maybe you'd go on a second date. And if they, they're that way on the second date, then no, don't go on the third date. Right. Gotcha. Um, but I think we have, to, we have to kind of remember that, like, it's a process. Mm -hmm. And so many people want immediate gratification. They want, like, that story of, like, we met. It was immediate. Explosive and chemistry. and Right. And so when someone feels this, like, instant attraction and explosive chemistry and, like, finishing of each other's sentences or whatever this is, mm -hmm. these butterflies the whole time and couldn't stop thinking about them all week... If what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes or most of the time, like 20 years later, those don't work out. If it's no, that, they can work they out. Can. I, but but sometimes, and again, it depends where you are in your own healing. Yes. Um, sometimes what your unconscious is doing is saying, "Oh, you look familiar. It's familiar. Come closer, uh -huh. right? You look familiar. Like it's like this. And and his unconscious and her unconscious, like and and them, and, you know, whoever you're dating, right? This, this works and this is not gendered at all. Mm -hmm. This works no matter who your partner is and who you are." Right. That if something feels familiar to you in this very, you know, unconscious way and you haven't worked that stuff out, the unfinished business, you're going to be like, yeah, this feels really familiar, but it feels so good. Right. Come mm. closer. It feels so familiar to me. If something feels unfamiliar, but it feels good. Mm -hmm. Is that a sign that that's oh, you maybe, and your girlfriend? Yeah, is it like, oh, maybe you're like you're choosing something different and you're experiencing something different. Is that something that people should keep exploring or what do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If it feels better, right? right? It feels good. <laughs> Again, keep that journal. Look at the yeah. look at the bank account that you guys are creating together, your joint yes. bank account. Are there five deposits for one withdrawal? Right. Right? 
um, you're experiencing that right now. It's unfamiliar, mm -hmm. but it feels healthy. feels Absolutely. good. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Man, what else do you see right now? that people are really struggling with when you're doing therapy with them or just the, the emails, the calls coming in for the, the podcast you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. What's kind of a common theme of right now? Mm. I would say connection. I think people are people, lacking the connection. People are lacking connection or they, they want to learn how to better connect. So they have someone that, that they want to connect with, but they're bungling it up in all kinds of ways. That's really? sort of what happens on our podcast every week. They're bundling it up. <laughs> they're, they're bungling it, yeah. What yeah. does that mean? Um, you know, it's like they, they, they want to have this healthy relationship mm -hmm. and they're afraid to have the conversations. They don't know how to have the conversations. Um, they're doing things they know they shouldn't be doing. Mm. Um, they don't see their own role in it. You know all of those things but again i think you know i think that that it's so relatable because we all act this way mm -hmm. we all have our blind spots we all think that we're extremely self-aware and you can't see what you don't know you don't it's like you don't know what you don't know right right what's someone what's something we should do on a weekly basis to check in with our partner to make sure we're cultivating that connection is it a question yeah. we should, hey, every Sunday we're going to have this 10-minute conversation. What should we talk about? Or I, I notice as a therapist that people talk more about what they don't want than what they do want with their partners. Mm -hmm. So they'll say like, I don't like it when you do this or I wish you wouldn't do this as opposed to I really like when you do that. I felt great when this happened. I want more of that or I like that. Just appreciating that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if you're always telling people what you don't like about them, it's hard for them to see what you do like about them. Mm -hmm. So I think that people need to spend more time telling the other person um, what they do want. You know, when we talk about complaints as compliments, um, you can say to somebody, say you feel like your partner isn't being affectionate enough with you, right? You can say like, you never kiss me when you come in the door or you don't hug me enough. Or you can say, I really love it when you come in yes. the door and you kiss me. As opposed to being like, uh, as opposed to making them defensive by right. saying, you're not doing this enough. And they're like, what do you mean? I was just doing this earlier and I did this before and you don't, you're not appreciating it. 
Mm. But when you show, like you said, appreciation, mm -hmm. I really appreciate it when you do this. Right. It's going to make you want to hopefully do it more. Right. And also not arguing with people's feelings. Like, mm. like I can see the other side of that where someone says to someone, you know, I, I really like it when you hug me when you come in and, and, and then, you know, maybe it's a guy who says to her like, but I do, I, I hug you all the time, yeah. right? And she's just like, okay, now we're gonna fight over the content, which is like, how many times do you actually hug me? And yeah. when was the last time you hugged me? Which is different, which is just like, oh, oh, you know, to register for yourself, oh, she feels like I don't hug her enough. So it doesn't matter whether I do or I don't. The point is she feels like I don't. So I'm going to make a conscious effort to make sure that maybe when we're watching TV together, I'm going to put my arm around her. Right. Right. Instead of arguing about, but I just hugged you yesterday, you know, when I came home and I hugged you the day before and I'm sure that I hug you every day. Don't argue about it. Just be like, oh, okay. noted. All right. Let me noted. give you a hug later. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, you know, obviously you're, you work with a lot of couples that are experiencing some type of problems, right? Most of them don't come into you and say, everything's amazing. <laughs> We're just here to like, just make sure it's still amazing, you know, mm -hmm. which I think it's actually, I think it'd be healthy for relationships to, you know, get into therapy sooner when things are actually good for like just a checkup every now and then and say, hey, how can we keep cultivating this? But I'm curious from the relationships you've seen that have been thriving, like it's pretty healthy, happy, thriving, like it seems really good. What would you say those key things that they all have in common? Mm. Kindness. Kindness. Yeah. You can't take back the unkindnesses. Um, they're there. They live there. Mm. You know, people will remember, by the way. Um, you Always. Know, <laughs> like, I remember like, three years ago like, when you did this thing. Yeah, I remember, I remember when you said that thing. I remember how it felt in my body. Um, so kindness is, is especially important. And I would also say there are all these cultural norms that we have to get rid of. Mm. Like, I had this couple where um you know it was a heterosexual couple and she said to her her to her husband i just i feel i, I want to get closer to you i feel like you know i want to know what's going on with you i wish you would share more with me about your inner life i feel like there's this distance between us and he was like this guy's guy right and finally finally he um he opens up to her and he, he gets a little tear mm -hmm. and i see her body i'm watching her and she's she's sort of she's there with him right and then he starts crying. He starts talking about something really difficult that he, he has been holding in for a really long time. And she, on the one hand, feels so much compassion for him. And on the other hand, she's terrified because, you know, she kind of looks at me like, what do I do now? Um, and so it was this interesting thing in our culture about safety with men and vulnerability. Because on the one hand, she's saying to him, I don't feel safe when you don't share with me. Ugh. I feel distanced from you, I feel separated from you, I feel disconnected from you, I don't feel safe in our relationship when you're over there and I'm over here and we are not meeting. But on the other hand, if you start crying in front of me like that and you really are vulnerable and you let down your guard like that, I also don't feel safe, not because of anything you did wrong, but because I've been told by society that you are weak when you do that, mm. right? Like I feel yeah. like you are that now not my rock and you are now you are not strong for me. Yes. And I didn't even realize I had those perceptions. I didn't realize that that's how I grew up, but that's what society has been telling me, that when a man cries like that in front of me, that he's weak and now I don't feel safe and that somehow as a woman, I'm weak if I don't have a man to be strong for me. Mm. So we had to talk about all of these all of these ideas that have been, you know, we've been brainwashed. Yes. And so then we have to like do the unbrainwashing 
and then they could actually come closer to each other and he didn't have to be the rock all the time and she didn't have to feel like you have to save me all the time. I'm so happy you said this, Lori, because I wrote a book about this a few years back called The Mask of Masculinity and I went on tour. I don't know if I told you this before, but I went on tour to talk about this and the rooms were typically 50-50 men and women who were in the rooms. And I would say this exact thing that like women would say, well, I wish my, my partner or my husband were, were more sensitive or emotional or vulnerable and open up. And I'd say, well, you've got to learn to be there and be able to handle it. Because I've talked to so many men who say, you know what, my wife keeps telling me they want to do this and I finally do it. And then they're like, well, I need you to be strong. Yes. Now, I don't feel safe. Exactly what you said. I was like, I'm so glad you said this from a therapist's point of view and not just you know, a guy saying this, but I'm so glad that you're saying this and that you've witnessed this with your, your couples that have come in and you've actually seen this. Well, because I'll tell I you. Because I feel like it's, it's so hard for men to want to express their vulnerabilities. And if they don't feel, and I had a previous girlfriend that I would cry in front of, mm -hmm. that I would show you know, my vulnerabilities and I was freely doing it. I never held back because I was comfortable doing it myself in certain moments. You know, when I'd see something on TV or a movie yeah. or a sensitive thing, I'd show motion. And it's like she couldn't handle it. It's like she could not handle it. And she was like, crying is weakness. And she didn't cry in front of me. And I was just like, man, you're never going to have respect for me if you think I'm weak for showing vulnerabilities. And then why would I want to be vulnerable around you if you're going to disrespect me? I'm going to want to gain your respect. And I'm going to want to get harder and have a wall, which luckily I didn't do. But I feel like in general, a lot of men do that. Well, what you're doing is you're being really courageous, mm -hmm. right? So I think it takes an incredible act of bravery to say to somebody, this is who I am. Yeah. And so, and she's saying, oh, that makes you weak. No, it makes you strong. That's what I said. It's like, like, it's like, it's like you, you are so okay with yourself. Yeah. I don't care if you make fun of me. I'm that, still going to do like, it. Yeah. This is me and I'm going to show up yes. and I'm going to share with you and I'm going to be in this relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it's so interesting that you say that. So I'm raising a boy mm -hmm. and I noticed this um, because during COVID, um, you know, everyone was saying, talk to your teenagers, talk to your kids about what they're experiencing. A lot of them are anxious and depressed and all these things are happening. And my son one day said to me, he said, you know, that's really easy for people to say, but boys don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I said, and I said, yeah, what, what do you think makes it so hard? And we had a little chat about it and we actually put it on Instagram because I thought it was really important and all these people responded to it. So he started. Didn't he write an article I saw you sent me? He did. Yeah, he, wrote, he, he wrote an article for Time Magazine, but he, um, he started this thing called Talk with Zach on Instagram. Mm, I saw this, yeah. And cool. he just wants to model that, like, for boys and men, that, like, you mm. can talk about what you're feeling, you can be vulnerable. Really In fact, cool. not only can you, but you should because yeah. you want to be a whole human being. And I think that it's been really interesting because it's opened up the eyes of women and girls. Yes, that's beautiful. You know, it's like, it's like, I have so many men who come to me for therapy and they say, I can talk to my guy friends. People think that your guy friends will make fun of you if you open up to them. They won't, actually. Yeah. The people who are, who I'm most afraid to talk to, they'll say, girlfriend. is my girlfriend, my wife, right? Like my sister. Like these are the people who, like, but your girlfriend or your wife, especially because they depend on you in uh -huh. this way. Absolutely. They tend to be the rock because... They may not be the emotionally sta stable person majority of the time. Right. Maybe they are or not. But. The problem is, though, like, so John in my book, he's one of these uh -huh. people who would, like, hold it all in, right? And then there's this this tragic thing that happens in, in his marriage. And he and his wife are both grieving. And he says, I had to be the rock. Like, I couldn't cry. And he's the one who has insomnia. He's having nightmares. Yes. But he can't talk about any of it. She's the one who always cries all the time. And I said, maybe she's crying for both of you. 
Ooh. And it just stopped him in his tracks. Maybe she's crying for both of you. And when he was able to start talking about what had happened and this loss that they'd had in their marriage and in their family, um, their marriage completely changed. It transformed, wow. right? Because he didn't have to be, he thought, she didn't tell him, you have to be the strong one for me. It was something that he just took in from the culture. Yes. And when he was able to share in the grief and the loss and they were able to kind of do this together, it was a game changer. What I feel like society needs in general is more men to be courageous enough to be vulnerable in sensitive moments mm -hmm. and more women to be strong enough to be there when their male partner is being vulnerable and sensitive. Yes. And not making them wrong or laughing at them or feeling unsafe in those moments. I truly believe that when when men can learn to have a safe environment to communicate effectively and vulnerably in appropriate times, there are going to be a lot happier people in general. There's going to be a lot less stress in the world. It's going to be a lot less fighting, arguing, power struggles, political struggles, you know, wars. I just feel like when men can learn the process of being able to express themselves and being accepted for it, they won't need to put up these walls and try to like protect themselves all the time. Right, and and what what happens is they don't deal with what they're experiencing. So so you'll have so many women come into therapy and say, you know, oh, I think I might be struggling with depression or anxiety mm. or whatever, a relational difficulty, and men just never talk about it. And never. you can see what happens. It, it affects weight. their physical health. Right, it affects their health, and and it comes out in other ways. Right, Absolutely. the anger, too the much resentment, the stoicism. Yeah, too much food, too much alcohol. alcohol. Um, you know, drugs, um, just a short temperedness in relationships, pornography, sex, pornography, whatever right. it is, any yeah. kind of any kind of distraction from the pain. It's really they're self medicate. Mm -hmm. They're really trying to medicate themselves. They're saying, you know, like I am really in distress, but I don't know where to go with it. So how can I mean? What needs to happen first? Men should start being more vulnerable and intimate in their relationships. You know, even if their partners are not willing to accept that, or women should start saying, hey, I want this, like your your mm -hmm. your couple came to therapy and said, I wish he would do this, but mm -hmm. then when he started to open up, she's like, I, I don't know how to handle this. Here's what I say to couples about that now. I say, you're going to need a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. um, because there's nothing they can do at that point if you've given the disclaimer that doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't keep them aware. So you can say to your girlfriend, your wife, you can say, you know, I, I'm, you, you ask, you want me to be closer with you, you want me to open up to you. Um, I really want to do that. I think it would be really good for us. I'm worried that if I do, that you're, you know, there are all these stereotypes in our culture that you're going you're gonna to feel really uncomfortable, that it's going to make you uncomfortable. And I'm asking you that if I do this, that you are able to sit with your discomfort and be present with me. Now that's a lot of words, right? That's a lot of words. Not a lot of people will say <laughs> it that way, right? Say that, okay. yeah. But but you can say something like it, like I want to be able to do this, but I need you to be able to be there mm -hmm. and and not judge me, yes. because the last thing if you if you judge me, if I feel like you think I'm weak or you think anything like that. You can bet that we're not going to be having conversations like this. Yes. I, I think this should be a highly encouraged 
uh, video or audio to listen to. So if you're one person listening to this, you should have your partner listen to this with you mm -hmm. and listen to this last part specifically and say, hey, listen, let's try this if you feel this way. So you're both on the same page. So yeah. I, I encourage you listening to this with your partner or watching this with your partner. Um, you, yes. You know how, how men will often say, like, oh, when she's crying, I just want her to stop crying? Yes. Right? And yet, <laughs> when a man is crying, yeah. It's not, so how will, how will a man help a woman to stop crying? He'll usually like go and hug her and comfort her. What does a woman do to get a man to stop crying? She just freezes. Mm. She really does, she'll, or she'll use words. Like, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. No, really, it's not that bad, right? She generally won't go and hug him mm. because it's, she's so uncomfortable. What should women do in that moment? Go and hug him. Yeah. Hug him, I'm here, I'm here, tell me more. Mm. Tell me more, say more, I'm here, let's talk about it. Wow, that's beautiful. I really wanna hear this. Imagine all the men listening, imagine your partner doing that. It'd mm -hmm. probably feel like freedom, peace, like finally this feeling. So for all the ladies listening, if you have a, a male partner who's been resistant to being vulnerable, listen to what Lori's saying about this because this could really heal your relationship in a big way and help it thrive in that process. I think that's a big part of the, the repair process from what I'm hearing you say is like, you know, obviously when a woman feels safe to be vulnerable, uh, they're gonna feel like they can trust their male partner more. And when mm -hmm. a man feels safe to be vulnerable, he'll be willing to do that and trust you more with that emotional burden as well or that weight that he's feeling, so. You asked me earlier sort of like, what is the secret to success of relationships? Um, this. This is it, being able to, to know that if you go to your partner with something that feels delicate, that they won't, they won't smash it, that they won't drop it. It was like what I said before, I felt like he had, he had like, you know, grabbed his heart and like extended it to her and said, I feel lonely. And she said, but I didn't do that, mm. right? Like that you can, you, that if your partner is going to give you something, think of it as like something really fragile and delicate. Like, you know, when you mail things that says like fragile, like be very careful yes. with it. Like it's really delicate. You have to be really gentle. Mm -hmm. Be really gentle. When your partner is handing you something delicate, be really, really gentle. Or you can bet that there's going to be a lot of loneliness in that relationship because right. people are going to go into their own silos. Man, this is so good. So the keys to a thriving relationship, kindness, being gentle when there's vulnerabilities. Is there anything else you would add there? Or if you can do those two things, that's a pretty good relationship. And take care of your own healing. Mm, do the yeah. work. Don't expect someone else to do it for you. Do the work mm -hmm. and bring that work to the relationship. I love this. I love this. Um, You've got an amazing book. Maybe you should talk to someone. I feel like this is a, such a game changer for so many people. So make sure you guys pick up a copy of this book. You also have a workbook. Same title, maybe you should talk to someone, workbook. The workbook, it's the called workbook. How Changing Your Story Can Change Your Life. And it takes people through the process of rewriting their story and getting a much more accurate, accurate version of their story. Which is a game changer for your healing process to rewrite the story of the past, right? Yes, and even the, the faulty narratives that we carry around in the present. Mm -hmm. We carry around all these faulty narratives. You know, I'm unlovable. I can't trust anyone. Nothing will ever work out for me. How do you rewrite those narratives? Yes. Yeah. And so this workbook. The workbook takes you through a step-by-step -step process of doing that. It's based on, maybe you should talk to someone, the book, but it's also based on my TED Talk, which is about how changing your story can change your life. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, um, you know, everybody said, when maybe you should talk to someone came out, they said, I learned so much from the book, but I want to be, like, I want, I want a guide to do that. And so I put together this guide for everybody who has been asking for it. And mm. I really wanted to give people the experience of what I do with people in the therapy room, how I help them edit their stories. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where can we get that, the workbook? Um, wherever you buy, Amazon, independent bookstores, wherever you get your books. It's all there. And it's where's there. the, and everything, uh, the podcast, everything's the podcast, on your website too, Yeah. Right? The podcast is called Dear Therapist. So you can yes. listen on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, it's a great podcast and Guy uh, is your co-host on there. He, yeah. He's been on the show as well. He's amazing. So you guys have a great banter there. Uh, so Dear Therapist, the workbook, you're also on Instagram. I see you over on Instagram while your content um, as well. We'll link up that, everything in the show notes, the TED Talk. <sighs> this is amazing. Um, I want people to, you might need to go back to this conversation and take some notes and start really implementing some of these things. So hopefully this has been a helpful resource for people. I appreciate you sharing. How else can we be a support to you? What else can we do to take action on? So let's get the workbook, get it for you and your partner. Um, get this book, listen to the podcast. What else can we do? Yeah, I would say like the, the best thing that people can do is to just, um, you know, benefit from all of this is mm -hmm. to actually use it yeah. in their own lives. I feel like, you know, emotional health is not just a thing that happens between you and yourself or you and a partner, but on a societal level. Mm -hmm. If we could all do these things, we would live in a very different kind of world. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this, Lori. I'm so grateful for you for, for coming back on and sharing this wisdom. And I acknowledge you for, man, just showing up and doing the work with people. You're in the work on a consistent basis. You're hearing these stories. You're getting feedback by giving exercises. You're, you're just a wealth of information and knowledge. So I, I acknowledge you for showing up and, and making tools for us, like the book and the workbook and the podcast, because this stuff is messy for a lot of people. It really is. Messy. It is. And that's why, you know, I feel like in the therapy room, you work with one person or two people or whatever it is. And I really wanted to make this accessible to everyone. And that's why I'm writing these books and yeah. doing the podcast and the TED Talk and all of that and having these conversations with you. Um, because I think that people, you know, nobody did this for people. Right? Like growing up, like we don't, that's not what we do. We, we learn all these subjects in school, but we don't learn about so emotional true. health. And so I really want to make it accessible for people and valuable for people. I love it. Lori, um, I asked you this question before, but I'm curious again, uh, your three truths. So imagine it's your last day on earth. Oh my gosh. And uh, you've, you've accomplished all of your dreams and written lots of books and created more and more content, but for whatever reason, no one has access to your content anymore. It's got to go somewhere else. Um, your books, this podcast, everything, it's all gone for whatever reason. Hypothetical. Mm -hmm. But you get to leave behind three lessons to the world, um, or what I could call three truths. And this is all we would have to kind of have access to your content. What would you say would be those three truths for you? Ooh, that's really hard on the spot. <laughs> I would say the first one is you are enough. Yes. Um, I think that people forget that that you can be messy and fallible and imperfect and all of those things, but you are enough. Your essence is enough. Um, I would say um, if you, uh, <laughs> I, the thing about if a fight breaks out in a bar in, in every bar you're going to, maybe it's you. Um, I would say um, your blind spots are important to shine a light on. Mm -hmm. It's really important to shine a light on your blind spots. Yes. Um, and I would say, um, be kind to yourself. 
because then you will be kind to others. Absolutely. I always, uh, I've heard this in the past, I can't remember who, but it's kind of in the personal development talk. It's like what's inside of you comes out. So mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if there's uh, whatever, you get cut off in the car in front of you, if you're reactive and angry, there's anger inside of you. If you're like, okay, he's probably just having a bad day and smile, or she's having a bad day, then there's kindness inside of you. So it's like whatever's inside of you comes out. So be aware of what's coming out of you and how you're reacting to situations. That could be a blind spot too, so. Right, and and what we were saying before about like that biosphere that, um, mm. you know, if you yell at that person then, what are you putting into, what fumes are you putting out into the world that yeah. other people are gonna be breathing and you're breathing them too. Absolutely. Final question, what's your definition of greatness? Mm. I think it's very different from our culture's definition of greatness. Um, I think greatness is a, like a feeling of peace. Mm -hmm. I think it's a feeling of peace, but not, not in a kind of a way just for you, but I think like making peace for other people in the world. Yeah. Um, that you're offering peace, that you're creating a way for people to find peace. Right. Um, that you act, you, you navigate through the world in a way that creates peace for other people. There you go. Lori, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you so much again for the conversation. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.